0: Conservative, constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky.
1: And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show for you astute video viewers uh, that have eyeballs and have watched the show. For any length of time, you may realize that I am not in my studio. I am actually in my home off din? I guess a din, really. Um, you know, I've got all my hunting stuff and guns and stuff in here, so I guess that makes it din. I'm in my din today, so apologize if the lighting isn't as wonderful as always or dramatic, and I apologize if it's Not as great of an angle, but this is what we have to deal with. But for you audio listeners listening on WZXI or in the podcast format, you shouldn't know a difference. So let's plow into it because we've got quite a lot to cover today. And by the way, I've been getting a lot of emails from y'all, so keep those coming Uh, If you've got comments on the show, ideas, articles you want to share with me, things you want me to talk about, go ahead and email me at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, info at theandrewshow.com. One of the questions I got this past week comes from a person who they got a letter from their employer telling them that they would see this year a slight bump or they'd start seeing a slight bump uh, in pay increase in their checks starting at after the first of the year because of an income tax cut. And they sent me a message asking me about that because they listened to the show and they know that I've been saying that because our legislators spent too much money, we won't be seeing an income tax cut this year. Understand that that tax cut you're experiencing this year was passed last year. And so unless they pass another income tax cut, half percent, income tax cut, as their own plan says they should have, but they spent too much, but I'll save up on that rant for later because it comes into play. Well, uh, they won't be cutting it this year, so that won't then apply to next year. So this time next year, unless the legislators decide to own up to their own accidental misgivings of spending too much, you won't be seeing that same cut. Now, Today's episode, we're really going to be digging in. Today's show episode, it's a show, right? You guys enjoy it. It's entertaining. We're going to be digging into Andy Bashir's State of the Commonwealth Address, State of the State, um, State of the Commonwealth Address uh, for the bulk of it. But before we do that, uh, there is something I wanted to dig into. And this is from the AP. Michael Adams, our Secretary of State. Uh, you, you may notice, and I'll keep this in mind, Michael Adams has been gearing up for a governor's run ever since, like literally the day he won his his uh, secretary of state re-election again, he's been gearing up for a governor's run. He's got a big problem in front of him with that though. I'll dig into that some other time, but he's got a major weakness uh, outside of just being a crazed liberal, but he knows he's gearing up for that governor's race. And so he's decided to roll out some of his governor messaging. And at the swearing-in ceremony that happened this past week, Michael Adams called on the Bluegrass State policymakers to promote a tolerant and welcoming society. That's from the AP. So he called on our lawmakers to make sure that Kentucky is a tolerant and welcoming society, obviously playing off this kind of liberalist love everyone ideas. The same thing we see Bashir peddling all the time. We're gonna see more of that today. And he's trying to grab a hold of that uh, because he says, hey, I'm going to embrace the liberal messaging standpoint of gaslighting everybody. Be like, oh, politics is just about loving everyone, right? Yeah, as long as I love everyone, you'll let me continue to rule over you and destroy your life, right? And if you have mum to say about it, or you've got a problem with how your money's being spent, Or the lawlessness or your society's being destroyed well that's just because you're a dirty rotten bigot who hates everyone that of course is michael adams's viewpoint but he's running for governor so he makes that comment and while i understand he's saying platitudes i think we should definitely draw attention to it because quite honestly we don't want to be a tolerant and welcoming society for everyone in kentucky We don't wanna be a tolerant and welcoming society. And even those of you on the far left that hear that and you just clutched your pearls and you're like, oh, tolerant and welcoming to everyone. Oh, we have to have it. Even to you far lefties, I say, you don't wanna be tolerant and welcoming to everyone. I mean, clearly, right? You wouldn't wanna welcome and be tolerant of rapists, right? I mean, murderers, right? We don't want to be welcoming and tolerant of people who murder other people. So we as a society in and of its face, the very remarks he said, tolerant and welcoming society for everyone is false. We already all believe every single one of us that our society shouldn't be tolerant and welcoming to rapists, to murderers, to people who hopefully uh, the people who rob you would you would hope that now of course some of the behavior of the far left leaves you questioning right leaves you questioning but but what what do we really mean by tolerant and welcoming though what is what is Michael Adams hitting on here now if you want to say tolerant meaning that we we tolerate you we're not going to throw you in jail that's one thing but welcoming I mean okay let's do this exercise together real quick. All right, let's pretend you're building a community, an idealistic community, not an idealistic community, but you're you're building up a community. Who do you want in it? And I'm not talking about a communistic neighborhood that can suckle off the teat of somebody else. Not talking about somebody who can live off the federal government. I'm not talking about a society that can steal money from the next town over to fund whatever random stuff you have. I'm not talking about a society that currently has people to to fund every aspect of it. No, I'm saying you're starting from scratch. Who would you want in that society? Chances are, if you're being honest with yourself, you want young families. That's what you want. That is the building block of a successful society. It's not trans activists. Right? It's not people marching for gay rights. It's not people who spray free Palestine on, on every single governmental sign they can get their hands on, right? It's not people who riot in the streets. No, what you're looking for is young families. Well, specifically families though. You're looking for people who can work and contribute, but also you're looking for people who want to build something for the next generation because that's the point of the family if you're to be honest, you, you building the idealistic society, you would want rules and morals in place, the exact same kinds of rules and morals that come from something like Judeo-Christian values. So unless you're just a, a far leftist who loves to look in the mirror and lie to themselves constantly, even you would admit if you were building a society, you wouldn't be looking at people's skin color, you wouldn't be looking at their gender, you wouldn't be looking at their sexuality, in that way what you'd be looking for is couples one and two if you're building a society from scratch you want those couples to procreate so of course homosexuals kind of out of that mix so you're looking for male female couples that have children and are of working age and because that's who you want for an idealistic society starting from scratch if you're starting from scratch right and I, and i'm not here to attack the older or infirm or other things like that. Nothing like that. Obviously, we we're not starting from scratch as a society. I'm just saying that if you were starting from scratch, that's what you would want. So, isn't that what you would want? If you're if you're if you're saying, what do we want into our state? Right. What, what who do we want to be tolerant and welcoming to the most? We've already established we don't want to be welcoming to murderers and rapists. No, we're saying that. What I'm saying is that who you want to be tolerant to the most are those people who contribute to your society for the positive, contribute to the next generation, can work, workers, right? And that's exactly the kind of Commonwealth that we need to be building. That's exactly the kind. That's what we'd be striving for, but that's not what Michael Adams is pushing for because he's more worried about winning that next election. i got some more to say about this i'm running up against a break so uh here's this quick break quick commercial break you're you're listening to the andrew cooperator show your source for kentucky politics stay tuned with us because i haven't finished my thought on this we'll see you here shortly so before the break we were talking about michael adams's comment encouraging policymakers to make a tolerant and welcoming Kentucky for everyone. And I established my argument that first off, all of us agree we don't want to be tolerant and welcoming to everyone, right? Criminals don't want to be tolerant and welcoming to them. Or if you're of sound mind, once again, you should. And then I said, hey, what, what is what do you want for a cornerstone building blocks of society? If you're building a society from scratch or starting a community from scratch, what do you want? And as we identified, you want typically People of working age with families because they're invested in building a better future. And so when you're making policies as a state, you should be keeping that in mind. You should be trying to put in place policies that encourage the people you want to come in. Now, I'm not saying that our lack of tolerance means that you should lock up all the uh, trans adults, far left liberals, homosexuals, throw them in jail. I'm not saying that at all, okay? And if I tolerate, all you mean is, look, we're not going to arrest you for that. Okay, sure, I agree with you. I agree with you. Unless, of course, they're hurting children, chopping off body parts, chemically castrating them, you know, shoving socks down little girl's pants and then calling that healthcare because they think they're a dude. And so you need to simulate that for them, which is disgusting. But otherwise, basically, you do you don't hurt each other. If that's what you mean by tolerant. Okay. And I know some of the trans activists will sit there and say, well, you know, you you guys are going after trans youth. Yeah, well, because you're doing permanent life altering things to them. And we consider that child abuse. You agree that a society shouldn't abuse children, we're just disagreeing on what that definition is. But, so I'm not saying throw them in jail unless they're hurting others. Otherwise, do you. So if that's what you mean by tolerate, okay. But we don't need to be welcoming to the kinds of people that don't make a healthy society. By welcoming, I mean we don't need to make sure they have their safe spaces. We don't need to make sure we every single school building has a darn rainbow flag hung up in it. We don't need to make sure that we're painting the sidewalks rainbow. We don't need to make sure that the government, your taxpayer dollars, as what's happening right now in Kentucky, we don't need to make sure that that's funding drag shows that involve children choirs performing at them. We don't need to do that those aren't the kind of people you actually want to quote unquote welcome and encourage to come here it's not because i hate them it's just the facts you want people who are working have children and can procreate (laughs) that's what makes it happen that's what makes a healthy society and if they're not falling into those categories don't lock them up but why are we spending one minute of public dollars or times being concerned about it. And that's the very thing that Michael Adams is missing when he claims we need to be tolerant and welcoming to all. It's not the government's role to be tolerant and welcoming to all, it's not your role. It's the government's role to encourage the kinds of people that make a healthy, productive society to come here to Kentucky. There's my first rant for you for the day. First rant. You can tell I'm feeling feeling the spice today, Feel feeling a little bit spicy. But we've got more than that to get to. We've had Bashir's State of the Commonwealth address, much like the president's State of the Union address. This happens uh, in front of the legislature here, and it's filmed in the state house. And so he kind of... so. I, I didn't, I'm not going to play all of it for you. It's 43 minutes long, 43 minutes of Bashir droning on, interrupted by occasional claps and and applause. And what? frankly, you're lucky you have Andrew Cooprider here because you don't want to subject yourself to that living awfulness that is watching one of these speeches. Trust me, you don't, you don't. I did it. I did it for you. That's my sacrifice for you. So at least you could do. Make sure you're sharing this with others, telling people to tune in. Andrew's over here, old Coop, over here sacrificing for the listeners. But let's take a look at what he had to say. So let's look at his first
0: uh, opening remark here. It's a new year and everyone has something to be excited about. Many of you are excited that I'll be serving as your governor for the next four years. And the rest are excited that I am now term limited. (laughs) Regardless of your perspective, it does give us a chance to push politics aside and to move this commonwealth forward together.
1: So he starts off talking about uh, making a joke, right? Makes a little bit of a joke, their opening joke saying, hey, some of you like me, some of you don't whatever. And then he says, let's push politics aside. And I've always heard people like uh, Bashir, others say, hey, this ain't about politics. But I think it's worth going over what the definition of politics is, because quite frankly, that's how you know it's a platitude. It's just a stupid comment because it shows you don't even understand the meaning of words. So the definition of politics is... The activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties hoping to achieve power. The activities of government concerning the political relations between countries, politics. The academy study of government and state, also politics. What's my point of saying that is that any time, definitionally, any time you start talking about running a state, running a government, when you start talking about those types of activities, it's impossible for it to not be political because that's the definition. It definitionally is politics. It definitionally is. It's just stupid. And that always bothers me. I know. I'm starting off on strong here. Let's, uh, let's take a listen here to clip number two here. Let's listen to the second clip here.
0: We enter 2024 after securing the best four year period for economic growth in our history. We set a record for private sector investment, more than $28.7 billion, the most secured during the tenure of any governor. So
1: he starts off, uh, this is his first like thing of like real, um, you know, significance that he has to say. And he starts off by hitting on the old tried and true for old Bashir and that is that red hot economy. You know, you're feeling it I'm feeling it, right? You feel like the economy is red hot, don't you? No, you're looking around saying, hey, things cost too much. You're looking around saying, I don't got money in the bank account. Well, maybe that's because you don't. And maybe that's because what Bashir's saying comes across as incredibly tone deaf. Because do you really, you you don't feel it. He then goes on to quote, record investments from companies. Like what what does that mean to a good economy to him? So different companies are coming into the state, great. But in some regions that may be useful, you may not have jobs in some areas and you've got people looking for them. Let me explain my governmental philosophy on this stuff right now, because there's some more that's said about this uh, coming up and I wanna make sure that we, you you understand where I'm coming from here. I do not believe it is government's role to bring employers into an area unless if they have a large amount of unemployment especially then they should be taking a look at their policies first, seeing what are their policies is stifling governmental growth in the area. What can they do to encourage people to move into the area without giving them straight cash? But I don't believe in cash handout to businesses, like ever. But the only time I start maybe entertaining it and we can start having a good faith argument on whether or not it's government's role is if there is a large amount of unemployed people in an area, and then let's have a talk. Let's see Let's see what this actually looks like. But that's not it. These companies aren't going into areas that are missing, that people don't have jobs. There are more people, there are more jobs available than there are people looking for jobs. Two to one ratio here in Kentucky. And so by, by continuing to siphon off this money, all you're doing is bringing in these big old companies into an area, pushing mom and pop businesses out and causing one localized inflation, but two, then causing an area to become hooked on some giant companies. And if they leave, they decimate that economy. I mean, what, what happened to Jamestown when Fruit of the Loom left? That, that, that town still hasn't quite recovered, still. And so instead of helping out mom and pop employers by reducing regulation, making it cheaper to operate just in general as a business, by making it easier to start a business, by offering, I don't know, uh, uh, if, you, if you wanna offer money out to companies willy-nilly, we'll go over to that in a second, well, maybe, maybe taking a look at your small business owner. I'm not for that. Understand, I'm not for taxpayers' money being taken out of their pocket, then given to the businesses that the government decides. But at least we can have that argument if you're doing that. But you're just giving it to corporations, getting getting local economies stuck on that, stuck on that drug, and putting small mom and pop businesses out. And then if all that investment, if that was just natural progression of the market, I'd say, so be it. But here's the thing, billions of taxpayer funds. Take the Ford plan alone. It got three or four billion in taxpayer funds from the federal government for what it's doing here in Kentucky and 410 million. So take that 23 some odd billion he just talked about, four and a half of it just in one company, Ford came from you, the taxpayer. That's not investment by a private company. That's investment by you. That's not all he had to say, obviously. Got some more coming up covering how communistic he is after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew cooper Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you back here shortly. And you are back with The Andrew cooper Show. Your source for that ever-loving good Kentucky political news and commentary from a conservative standpoint. We've been going over Bashir's State of the Commonwealth Address. We've gone over, of course, we started out, he made a little joke, talking about that red-hot economy that we all clearly feel. Now let's hear to uh, what he has to say here. Uh, you know, continuing on this path, really showing his communistic
0: tendencies. I say we, because economic development is a team sport. It takes both the executive and the legislative branches, along with so many hardworking local officials and business leaders. Because of our work, because of all of our work, the eyes of the world are on Kentucky and what we are doing.
1: The eyes of the world are on Kentucky and what we are doing. Notice that order, he said. Notice that order. He didn't even say the word business owners. No, business owners don't exist in a communistic system. Business owners aren't somebody you think in a communistic system. No, he said business leaders. Why that means big companies that have stockholders and not owners the mom and pop shops, well, they're an afterthought to the communists. I mean, if, you, if you're if you really about empowering the people, you would be talking about your small businesses. But yet through this entire speech, talks about all the billions of dollars that's supposedly being invested while we were giving away hundreds of millions, talks all about business leaders and we, the government, the legislature, business leaders. He never says business owner and he never says small business owner because he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care, he never has, he never has. Small business owners are the number one thing Bashir hates, just look at the pandemic, look at his handling there. He handled that, he gave big box retailers, the big guys, every single ruling they needed. He would change the rules just for them. Remember Kentucky Kingdom? Remember them getting a special rule? Not you, not me. We didn't get special rules. No, no, we're not important enough in Andy Bashir's mind. Not important enough. But he goes on. He he, he talks some more to about Ford here. Um, telling a few fibs. So I need to call him
0: out. Here you go. Ford and its partner, SK On are building the two largest electric vehicle battery plants on planet Earth in Glendale, Kentucky. It is the largest single economic development project in our state's history. It has cemented our status as the EV battery production capital of the United States, and it ensures our future as an automotive leader with the chance to be the automotive leader. The project is off to a fast start. As of last month, Blue Oval SK has already hired approximately 400 Kentuckians and they're just getting started. Beginning this year, Blue Oval SK plans to hire approximately 2,000 more of our people to work in Hardin County.
1: Well, that's a change in numbers, wasn't it? I mean, by this time, if I remember the promise, wasn't it supposed to be 5,000 jobs? Also, Andy Beshear is talking about the two largest, um. That second factory is on hold, buckaroo. Why? Because there is falling demand and falling uh, 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 market. And Ford's losing money on all their electric vehicles. There's this falling demand. That's with all the government subsidies. This falling demand. And so they shut it down. They're they're not doing it again. They, they, They didn't shut it down. They paused it. They paused that second. Phase. So that's not being built. That's on pause, but okay. You know, tomato, tomato. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, Motor Trend even just did a story about how awful the F-150 Lightning is. Uh, he's talking about, he was, the writer was going on a family emergency and just how awful the F-150 Lightning is to use in that kind of situation and how, and, and, and that's why it's it's a long way to go here. Here's the other thing. We were promised that Ford plant would bring 5,000 jobs in. But so far, according to him, they're only planning on hiring 2,400. That's half. That's less than half. And we already gave them $250 million in cash, keep in mind, and have promised them another $160 million more on the way, not to mention the billions the Fed gave them, but even to Kentucky with that money, the money we gave them. Just the money we gave them, the two hundred and 50 million, we paid $104,000 a job. What a horrible investment, yet he keeps singing its highest praise. Will it be electric vehicle nation? Maybe at some point, but it isn't anytime soon. And there's no guarantees that Ford will get us there either because like I said, they're closing down their own plants. Remember, it's, it just, it's stopped building a plant in Michigan, yet, Despite Bashir saying this, yet the dumb seals, including the legislators, are <laughs> clapping because they can't be honest and say we messed up by voting for this bill. At least you think that that's that's it. That's all the the legislature's done. Let's let's
0: listen to this uh, uh, next little comment here from Bashir. I want to thank the General Assembly. We're coming together to pass legislation needed to secure major projects like AESC's $2 billion, 2,000 job EV Gigafactory in Bowling Green. That is another project that shows we are on a roll, but also highlights the site preparation, the work that it takes to lead the country in speed to market and to secure these wins. You, the General Assembly, recognize this work and invested in the last budget session providing $200 million for site development across the Commonwealth, as well as a closing fund to keep us competitive. $200
1: million stolen from you, given out to private companies. Wouldn't it be nice to get a chunk of that $200 million that they took? That $200 million that they decided to give to whatever private companies they felt was worth it? Were you consulted? I wasn't. Remember, you're not getting a flippant income tax decrease because the General Assembly spent too much last year. You're not getting your half percent cut according to their own plan because they spent too much. So they don't got the money for your income tax cut, but what they do have the money for is $200 million to be given to some groups that you know, create jobs we really don't need these companies are not going into counties that are massively missing jobs people have jobs there jobs that they're working to get stolen from to go fund the next company that opens up in their town for them to go work for what is essentially the same wage because in regional inflation will happen inflation overall happens and real wage stays the same and yet we're told that this legislature 200 million dollars we're told that they're conservative they can't even stick to their own spending plans 200 million stolen from- are you upset yet these aren't conser- conservatives my butt then he moves on to education changing up the rules trains up to education uh he goes over what he wants i'll give you a hint it's more money. That's what he wants for education. He wants more money. But I'm going to play for that clip for you here after this next break. Stay with us. We've got some more to cover from his State of the Commonwealth address. You're listening to The Andrew Cooper, show your source for Kentucky politics. Got opinions? Send them to me. Info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that is info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you here in just a few, few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooper show your source for that Kentucky politics covering the things you're not going to hear anywhere else. Who else is going through the state of the Commonwealth address with you? Like this, nobody, nobody's doing it. I'm the one doing it for you. So do me a favor, click that share button, tell others about, it. if you're listening on the radio, tell your friends, your neighbors, make sure you're tuning in at 9am on WZXI. If you're listening elsewhere, make sure you're sharing it with others too as well. So before the break, we, uh, we're going over how Bashir, he's transitioning now his Commonwealth address to talking about education and what he wants for it. I'll give you a hint.
0: It rhymes with more money. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Our educators are difference makers every single day. Let's show them that they, we appreciate what they do by funding an 11% raise for every public school employee.
1: raise for every public school employee. Notice that little sleight of hand he did. Little sleight of hand there, right? He started off talking about educators, talking about teachers, but then slides in right at the end before the clap line, all public school employees. So, two things here. First, districts set the pay, not the legislature. A blanket 11% raise. Well, then the amount that you have to spend as a state is being set by the a uh, school boards and their pay schedules, it's not being set by the legislature. That's the first thing we see here. Here's here's the second, okay? There's a whole lot of useless employees that under his guys would get that 11% increase. I mean, do you really think those dozens of school administrators in Louisville earning well over $100,000 a year need an 11% raise? No, they probably maybe shouldn't exist. That's why how the legislature has been doing this is they appropriate a fund into the SEEK formula and then that gets paid to the schools per student. They've increased that amount. They'll probably increase it again this year. And then it's up to the schools to decide what they want to do with that money. If they want to increase pay, then they can choose to do so. Andy's saying everyone deserves a raise, but of course they don't. You and I both know that. And the reason why is because it's not about the kids. It's not even about only the teachers. They're just pawns. And what it's really about, which is the school unions, which everybody can join, administrators and teachers, about their fees, about them saying, look, we went to bat for you and buying their votes and support for the Democrat Party here in Kentucky into the future. But he continues on his conversation about... uh,
0: schools. Let's take a signal. We don't just need to. We have to. See, we have fallen behind. Kentucky ranks 44th in starting teacher pay and 40th in average teacher pay. Well, um, Kentucky is ranked, according to USA News,
1: uh, 47th lowest in cost of living. So it would actually we're kind of overpaying our spot when you think about it that way. Because of course, somebody's gotta be the lowest, somebody's gotta be the highest. In the world of fairness, you would say, well, then that should be ranked based upon cost of living. But of course, they don't bring that up. They don't bring up that Kentucky's an extremely cheap place to live when compared to other states. Something, of course, the Democrats are doing everything they can to change around as they're trying to get rid of cold-fired electric plants to keep our electric bills low and our energy at a good cost, but anyways. He doesn't bring that up because, of course, that would fly in the face of this idea that teachers are so massively underpaid compared to the market. But that's not actually really accurate. But hey, money solves all problems, right? I mean, let's just take a listen to uh, what he had to say. What, What else does he think money can solve?
0: And while we're at it, let's fully fund student transportation. If we want more bus drivers, let's pay them more and let's provide the support our school districts need. So first off, um,
1: fully funding transportation. Once again, what's that mean? Every district can operate its own way. So you want the taxpayer of the state as a whole to front the bill that are not being made by decisions by the General Assembly who represents them, first. second. Second, if the legislature came again, let's say they looked at what the cost would be for 11% raise and fully funding education, just threw it all into one big pot and gave it to them. Do you think that would be good enough for these people? No, they want it line item out. You can just give them the money. They would still want it. But here's the other thing. Money doesn't solve all problems. We had a sick out recently with Louisville bus drivers and they listed out a list of demands and things they wanted to see and what they had a problem with. And guess what wasn't on it? pay the pay wasn't the problem their problem is is the unruly children because people like bashir continue to sell people on the idea that the government needs to take care of their kids and a government cannot replace a parent crazy's unruly buses that's their main problem it's got nothing to do with money that's out of their own demands that's not just me saying that that is their own demands so after rambling on, of course, about universal pre-K, where he had to admit that uh, it wouldn't get parents back to work on its own, just pre-K, he had to throw in pre-K mixed with his daycare program. Some of you may remember I broke this down in a widespread tweet, calling him out, saying that he was lying in his address uh, he had priorly, where he said universal pre-K would only cost around, I believe, $160 million, and somehow that would fund, you know, uh, 60 some odd thousand kids going to pre-k and then that would get parents back to work but that would never fund all day pre-k programs it's not enough and those parents would not be able to get back to work so he's lying there about the cost well you had to come up and fess it fess up about it but that wasn't the only moment that yours truly caused last night so it caused that one moment with that widespread tweet I put out and, and show I put out about it. But I caused another moment last night um, when he moved on to infrastructure, there was, there was a little awkward timing here.
0: Uh, let's take a listen. Look at what we're doing together. We're building the Brent Spence Companion Bridge without tolls.
1: That was the longest, loudest applause of the night. Uh, One reporter who was there even tweeted out that Ken Upchurch stood up and clapped at that moment. Why is that? Well, some of you may remember from my show earlier this week, I talked about Ken Upchurch and some other establishments within the Republican Party threatening to toll the Brent Spence Bridge if new House rules move forward because he doesn't like the Northern Kentucky cadre of house Republicans. And I pointed out that, that, you know, Ken up church taking personal problem with representatives out of a region and then deciding he wants to pass a bill to make all of the literally millions of people a year paid across a bridge. Cause he doesn't like a, a handful of legislators is peak tyranny. That is. Exactly the problem with our legislators sometimes, sometimes all the time. That's exactly the problem. They don't legislate based upon the citizens. They legislate based upon whose feelings. They legislate based upon who has their ear. If the right lobbyist has their ear, that's how they legislate. So he got called out on this by years truly. I broke the story. And then Louisville uh, Public uh, Radio News, uh, Joe Sankin there wrote an article uh, quoted me in it. Uh, I, I understand the Cincinnati uh, Inquirer may be working on something. I don't know if that article's out yet. They've they've reached out. So that kind of paints it in for you that this story became a big deal. And so Ken Upchurch and the rest of the legislators throwing it in his, Ken Upchurch has to stand up and clap because he's getting called out on it right now. This is blowing up into a big story in his face that I broke. And then the other legislators <laughs> loudly clapping and cheering there too it's funny it's hilarious it's hilarious old coop rattling the cage well then he moves on uh to showing out his communism again he starts talking about health care um let's hear what he had to say
0: our future is also brighter thanks to the health care heroes in our communities health care is also a basic human right and I've spent my entire public career working to increase access to quality health care for our people. Healthcare is not a basic human
1: right. I'm sorry to tell you guys, it's not a basic human right. And it's not because you have to get it from somebody. So anytime you have to get something from someone else, you can't have a right to it. You don't have a right to someone else's labor. Slavery was outlawed a long time ago in this country. You do not have a right to, that's not a universal basic human right. It's just not. You get it from another human because if you say something's a right, well, if somebody doesn't give it to you. There should be ramifications for that. Legally speaking, you have a right to live, uh, to life. So if somebody murders you, there's ramifications for that. You have a right to property. If somebody steals it from you, there's ramifications for that. So if somebody doesn't give you healthcare because that's a right. see, so saying there should be ramifications to it. I don't know. I just say, if you listen carefully, some people thought that was great. If you listen carefully, you can hear that Annie Beshear's Stay the Commonwealth Address still have a whole lot of communism and a whole lot of patting themselves on the back for stealing from Kentuckians right out of their pockets. Well, y'all, that's what we got time for today on the Andrew Cooper show. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. See you back here Monday. Have a great weekend.